right, welcome back to the High Motor Guy podcast, March Madness edition alongside Colin Levesque. My name is Matt Weber. The sun is shining. Usually when we do the podcast, it's dark out because we're in the middle of uh, late fall or early winter uh, doing NFL season, but it's always nice previewing the college hoops. Beautiful, sunny Chicago, although it's a little chilly. We're in the mid to upper 40s, but it's sunny, so it's not terrible. And I know you're up in the 80s and 90s uh, down in uh, Arizona, Colin. Welcome back, buddy. Good to hear from you. Good to be back, Matty. Uh... Best time of year, arguably, other than the start of football season for me. Uh, this is this is a great time of year, and uh, conference tournaments just finished up. So, if you uh, were a college, if you are a college basketball fan, you were watching all that uh, the last four or five days. Um, but yeah, ready to get started here, and uh, ready for another what looks to be another awesome tournament. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm excited and. Um, really kind of just breaking down these matchups the last couple days and um, there's some good ones so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it even the first four games um, that you know as we record this on Monday that were on Tuesday uh, or excuse me as we record this on Wednesday that were played on Tuesday those the uh, Hampton versus Manhattan game and then the Ole Miss versus BYU game like those games were awesome (laughs) if you if you uh, actually sat down and watched those that were played in Dayton uh, those games were freaking great, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This is this is good basketball, uh, even early. But uh, the real thing, of course, tips off Thursday, uh, noon Eastern time. Uh, Colin basically wakes up in the morning and at what, like 9 a.m. <laughs> and the games start. <laughs> early start time here, yeah. It's just like uh, NFL, you know, you get up at 10 o'clock start time, which is uh, which is great. Now, so we want to talk about the, uh, of course, the seven Big Ten teams that got in, uh, highlighted by number one seeded Wisconsin. A lot of people were surprised that they got a number one seed. I think they kind of deserved it. Uh, we'll certainly talk about Kentucky and their road. Um, you know, Vegas basically has them at even money versus the entire field, which is which is pretty crazy when a team is that heavily favored. Uh, of course, Duke surprised some people by getting a one seed. Um, we want to talk about Notre Dame a little bit for our New England folks. Providence uh, in there at a sixth seed. They'll take on the winner of Boise State and Dayton. Uh, so that will be an interesting matchup. And then we want to talk about a couple, you know, maybe a sleeper or two, some of our favorite teams to watch, all kinds of stuff. But uh, I agree with you, man. Those conference tournaments were great. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of just an appetizer leading in to the NCAA tournament. But uh, if you're a betting man, which Colin and I bet play money, um, you're definitely watching those conference tournaments. I'm sitting there watching the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. I'm watching, of course, all the Big Ten stuff. Uh, Big East, the ACC is good. But I thought the Big 12 was by far the best tournament. And, of course, Iowa State with three come-from-behind wins uh, to w- ultimately win that tournament and, and beat Kansas. And, and I, Fred Hoiberg and the boys did it for the second year in a row. I said last year on the podcast, they're my favorite team to watch in college basketball. They play NBA-style ball where they, they, they don't run – hey, let's pass it around the perimeter four times and milk 30 seconds off the clock and then shoot a three. They, they don't do that. They, like, isolate um, matchups um, and, and, and go into the post when necessary. They run and gun. They, uh, everybody on their team is skilled. They are an absolute joy to watch. And that Big 12 tournament, man, from opening tip to the final was, was just spectacular. It was. It was tremendous. And you mentioned the, uh, the three, you know, huge comebacks. Um, I think top to bottom this year, the Big 12 had the best conference. Um, when you look at some of the teams that, uh, you know, that, that got into the tournament, and uh, I think there's a couple teams um, that I've watched a lot this year, uh, one being Baylor, that I think is a really good basketball team. Love Baylor. Uh, I, I don't think Scott Drew can coach his way out of a paper bag, but <laughs> uh, there's a lot of talent on that team, and, and I've watched enough of them this year. 
um, to, to see that. I think they're ready to go on another run here, uh, or at least win a couple of games like they did um, last year. So, but yeah, top to bottom, uh, when you go through, you know, the Big 12, when you look at Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Iowa State, as you mentioned, Baylor, uh, Texas even got into the tournament. There's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of pissed off people that Texas got in. Um, and they're actually, they're actually a favorite in their first round game, Maddie. Um, which is crazy and, as the 11th seed. Rick, against yeah. As the 11th seed. And Rick Barnes is another guy who I don't, who can't coach at all. Um, but they have talent on that team. And t- if you take, just the talent alone on that team, uh, I think they should be favored. You know, just because their coach is not very good um, doesn't take away from, you know, they have NBA players Every on year. that roster. Every year. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that had Kevin Durant and DJ Augustine and couldn't do anything. He had LaMarcus Aldridge and couldn't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, I, but I've watched them enough to see that, you know, I mean, they could win a couple games. You know, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, and they, you know, Rick Barnes and sure Rick Barnes fashion had a, you know, a huge collapse in that big 12 tournament. Um, and, and I, I think was kind of fitting for, you know, how he coaches and his style of coaching. Um, but yeah, top to bottom, I think they had the best conference this year. And, um, you know, there's a couple teams, you know, I'm not so high on Kansas this year, but, uh, I look at what Lon Kruger's done in Oklahoma this year. And I, I thought he's, I thought they had a terrific season. I love Oklahoma. I watched them a lot this year. Um, they uh, uh, were one of the teams in the regular season that had like a 21-point lead against Iowa State and Ames and blew it, and Iowa State came back and beat them. But they beat Iowa State in Oklahoma. They had a lot of nice wins. They're a three-seed. We'll take on 14-seeded Albany um, on Friday in Columbus, Ohio. So that should be a, a good one there. Uh, what particular team out of the Big 12, you said you're not a big Kansas guy. Is there one team out of the Big 12 that you could see getting into the Final Four? Is there a Big 12 team that you picked to make it to the Final Four? Um, I, I didn't know, but I, I could see um, Iowa State making a run maybe to the Elite Eight. Uh, I don't know. The, the only thing I worried about Iowa State a little bit is their uh, their defense. You know, they're, uh, they're at times uh, give up big, you know, big uh, let down defensively and give up a lot of offensive spurts. Um, but if you look at their bracket and the way they're matched up, uh, it's pretty favorable. You know, right. they're going to have to get through uh, probably SMU because we talked about UCLA uh, off air. They shouldn't have got into the tournament, but they did. And Steve Offer, we know what Steve Offer is all about. Um, and then it's possible that they could face, uh, you know, an Iowa or a Gonzaga team to get to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. So uh, I, I think Iowa State could go on a run here, and I think Baylor could have too. Uh, but unfortunately, they got matched up in the, uh, you know, in the same bracket as Arizona. I think Arizona, uh, in my opinion, from what I've watched all season and towards the end of the year, I think is uh, is the team that is, could be capable of knocking off Kentucky. Well. Um, I have Arizona as the second-best team in the tournament, and it's too bad for them that they're on the same side of the bracket as Kentucky um, because I think that would be our best national championship game if we could get Kentucky versus Arizona. Uh, I agree 100%. Yeah, I I actually have them upsetting Wisconsin in the Elite Eight. 
Um, and I don't know how much of an upset it would be. Arizona might even be favored in that game, but uh, but as far as seeding is concerned, it would be an upset. And then uh, I have them losing to Kentucky. I just don't see anyone beating Kentucky. Nothing new there. Um, no one's <laughs> no one's arguing uh, with that point. By the way, you were talking about Iowa State's defense. According to Ken Palm's ratings, they're rated seventh in the country in adjusted offense, but as Colin mentioned, 82nd in the country in adjusted defense. Uh, so that will be their uh, downfall if they should have one. But would you agree with me that the southern region, the south, um, where Duke's the number one seed, is maybe the weakest region, or did you have a different one in mind? I could see an argument for the east, but I, I'm really not a fan of the south. No, I, I agree 100%, and I, and I, I find it comical that uh, Duke got a one seed, and then they're in their backyard. They're in Charlotte for the first joke. round. Uh, I, I just don't understand. Well, I do understand it. You know, it comes down to the NCA and, you know, wanting to sell tickets and all that stuff. But uh, I, I don't you think that's a little bit ridiculous. And you had Arizona, who you mentioned. I mean, they should have been a, a one seed, uh, no doubt about it, in my mind, especially when you, you look at the conference tournament. Uh, they beat a, an Oregon team who's as red hot as anyone coming into their conference tournament uh, in the championship game by about 30-something points, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. I don't understand it. Um, I think Sean Miller, again, got the short end of the stick. He he has over the last couple of years. If you remember a couple of years ago in the, the tournament, he got, uh, you know, against Ohio State to get deep in the tournament, got a couple technical fouls, came out afterwards that Ed Rush was had a bounty on officials to give him, like, technical. <laughs> I don't know. I think Sean Miller's just gotten screwed the last couple of years. Um, but I don't think – I think this year, you know, hopefully it won't matter. And I think the team he has this year is actually better than the team they had last year. Uh, and we remember how their season ended last year against Wisconsin on the offensive foul call, uh, basically at the buzzer, right. where it's a very shady call. So, yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, Duke, you know, they're Duke. They're going to get uh, – they're going to get – you know, they had a great year. I mean, I'm not going to put them down that much. But uh, when you look at the loss they had against Miami – during the regular season, who's an NIT team uh, by 20 plus points or 16 plus points uh, at home, that really should have been the uh, deciding factor of them not getting a one seed, and they still got it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, their path looks pretty easy when you're looking at it now. The one advantage for Arizona is they're in Portland the first couple of rounds, and if they should advance, they go to Los Angeles. And everyone knows uh, Arizona has a huge following in Southern California. Um, and really along the entire West Coast, they're, they're kind of, now that UCLA over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years has really kind of, uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, Howland had a couple of nice teams that went to the Final Four. But for the most part, they're not the same powerhouse uh, program that they've been, certainly. And Arizona has consistently, for the, like the last 25, 30 years, been a Final Four contender. And they've really, you know, kind of built a, a huge fan base out on the West Coast. So, yeah, they're, they're not in their backyard as much as Duke is in their backyard, you know, playing in Charlotte uh, the first couple of rounds. But uh, playing in Portland and then playing in Los Angeles, should they advance, I think will be a big advantage. Whereas Wisconsin, as the one seed, uh, doesn't have that kind of support out there on the West Coast. So if, if Miller got any fan favors at all, which he didn't get many, uh, as Colin uh, <laughs> talked about. He at least got that, um, which, which is certainly better than nothing. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you as far as uh, the Big 12 is concerned. I, I, I also agree with you as far as the South region is concerned. One other Big 12 team I wanted to talk about was uh, West Virginia. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like to pick the 12 over the 5, and I've been hearing a lot of people chirping that Buffalo is going to upset West Virginia. I don't know if I would go that far. West Virginia can't score, but I'm intrigued with this West Virginia-Maryland matchup uh, in round two, assuming both favorites win. I don't necessarily have both favorites winning their first-round games. We'll get into some of our picks later. But um, West Virginia-Maryland, I think, is maybe the most even matchup in the second round of the entire tournament. I have no clue who would win that game. Every other game, I have a very strong uh, opinion either way. This West Virginia-Maryland game, I literally flipped a coin, and, and then Maryland hit, so I went with Maryland. Yeah, no, and uh, it's worth noting uh, West Virginia, you know, Jawan Staten's their best player, uh, and he missed the uh, Baylor game in the Big 12 tournament with an injury. So, And uh, Gary Brown did as well. So he's Jawan Staten's ready to go. Um, I, I don't think Bob Huggins is stupid, um, despite what you may think of him when you see him on TV. <laughs> but uh, I think he was, uh, you know, holding Staten out for, uh, for, for the big dance here. And uh, if you've watched him play this year, uh, he, he's been tremendous. So uh, they can't score, but uh, defensively they'll turn you over, you know, a ton, as you know, with that pressure. Um, and I haven't seen a whole lot of Buffalo. Uh, I know Bobby Hurley's the coach, and it's, people are happy to see him back in the tournament. But um, I, I think West Virginia is a pretty good team, and uh, I have them moving on. You know, when it comes to MAC teams, really in any sport, I don't put a whole lot of stock in. Uh, when they have to step up in class and right. go against a, a team like West Virginia, who, you know, I, I saw them a few times this year. I mean, I saw them at their worst. I saw them get blown out by Baylor at home by about 25. Um, but I also saw them beat Kansas in West Virginia when they were down about 10 or 12 points with eight or nine minutes to go in the game. And so, they should have beat Kansas uh, in Lawrence, if you remember, if you watched that game. They had that game won, and they blew it in the last five minutes to Kansas. Yeah. That was it, in Lawrence. Did. I mean, they've played Kansas tough both times. Yeah, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on Maryland because I've heard, uh, you know, most of the talk I've heard uh, from the pundits, which I really don't put much stock into that either. Uh, it's kind of like we talk about in the NFL, Maddie. Like, you're better off just not listening to any of those guys <laughs> uh, on the selection show, like Seth Davis or Gottlieb or those type of guys. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I listen to what they say, and it's it's apparent to me that they don't all they watch is the big conferences. Right. They don't watch anything else. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, a lot of the talk I've heard about is people very, aren't really high on Maryland, and uh, I thought they had a great season. Um, first year in the Big Ten. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on them? Because I, I kind of liked what I saw from them this year. I, I don't know. people. The way people are talking about it, they sound like they're, they're not that good of a team. You know, there's a couple of things. First of all, they finished 27-6, and six, and they have some really nice wins. They won at Michigan State. Uh, they, they have a lot of nice Big Ten wins. They beat Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin one that's the one that stuck out to me. Yeah. Yep, and that was a big time win. That was at home for them. But you finished twenty seven and six. I don't care, you know, what <laughs> conference you're in. You had a you had a really good season. Uh, Melo Trimble is one of the best freshmen in in the country. Now, he, absolutely, he doesn't get the credit that D'Angelo Russell gets, and he shouldn't because D'Angelo Russell is James Harden uh, 2.0. I mean, that guy that guy's going straight into the NBA, and he's going to be a scorer right away. He's that guy's unbelievable. Um, but Melo Trimble is nasty, and he averaged over 16 points per game as a freshman. 
um, leading that team. Of course, every, most people know that follow college basketball know who Des Wells is. He was an All Big Ten player this year. They got Evan Smotrich, the uh, transfer from from uh, Michigan, who uh, had a solid year. They have a, they have a nice team. They have some shooters. Uh, Trimble kind of um, pushes tempo, and 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 they're solid. I will say this though, uh, Ken Palm does a rating. Um, thing where he actually factors in uh, using advanced stats the luckiest teams in the country and Maryland according to his uh, his rating was the luckiest team in the number country one, yeah. they were number one <laughs> in the nation um, so according to him they should have maybe lost a few more games but that doesn't take away from what they did uh, you know I follow Iowa closely and uh, Iowa smoked Maryland but it was in Iowa City and they just kind of ran into a buzzsaw it was one I anyone who follows Iowa knows or follows the Big Ten and, and watches Iowa occasionally they're like a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team. Like sometimes they'll show up and they'll win at North Carolina or they'll blow out Maryland or they'll win at Indiana by double digits. And then all of a sudden they show up in the Big Ten tournament and get beat by Penn State. And you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like who was that team? They couldn't make a shot. So it's, you know, that can happen. And, and they just smoked Maryland and made Maryland look bad because Maryland doesn't have a lot of size and tall teams bother them. Um, but but I like Maryland. I don't. I, I, I certainly don't think they're overrated. Uh, I think they're they're a solid team. I think a four seed is about right for them because twenty seven and six record in the Big Ten. You would think that they would have gotten a three or even a two seed. Uh, but based on power rankings and BPI and Ken Palm rating, uh, not quite as good as the record would indicate. So a four seed's probably about right. I think they're going to have some trouble with Valpo, but I think they'll win that game. And then, like I said, total coin flip against West Virginia in the second round in Columbus, Ohio on Friday. I have Maryland advancing and then getting beat by Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Um, but uh, but obviously I could see that going any other way. A uh, couple of things I want to touch on here because obviously the podcast is based in Chicago. And, and Colin used to live here, and I, of course, still do live here. And most of our listeners uh, live here, although we do have people that listen all across the country, uh, not just in the Midwest even, but uh, East Coast all the way to the West Coast. And we appreciate that very much, so uh, be sure to tell a friend. Uh, but a couple of Chicago-focused things I want to touch on. One is Notre Dame. They had an awesome season this year, 29-5. and They got the three seed. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're in Kentucky's uh, bracket. But uh, I want to talk about them. And then DePaul, uh, I want to talk about them, too. They, of course, people forget, were a basketball powerhouse in the late 70s and early 80s uh, with Mark, Mark Aguirre and Terry Cummings and Ray Meyer was their coach, and they went to the Final Four. And, I mean, they were, they were like, old guys around Chicago will tell you that they were basically bigger than the Bulls. I mean, that DePaul basketball was, like, huge. And they sold out every game. They're on national TV. Um, they had a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, when Rod Strickland played here, then they had a little bit more of a resurgence again uh, when they cheated and they got like Quentin Richardson and Bobby Simmons and those guys to stay home <laughs> and not go not go to like Kentucky or Duke. Um, and they went to the tournament for a couple of years. But ever since then, the Jerry Wainwright era and then the Oliver Purnell, uh, Purnell era, they've just completely fallen apart. Uh, to the point where they're a laughing stock. I mean, they're lucky to get five to 6,000 fans in the arena. Um, they finish well below 500 in the Big East every year. Uh, they can't even make the NIT. And, you know, every single year, you know, we're talking about the best players in the country coming out of Chicago, and they can't get any of them. I mean, Jaleel Okafor, uh, Frank Kaminsky, uh, um, you know, Jabari Parker, Derek Rose. Uh, the list is just is endless. Ryan, Ryan Boatwright. Yeah, Boat. I mean, you can just you can go up and down college basketball's list from the big Biggest names uh, in the you know in the world to the medium names. They're, every team in this in this tournament probably has a Chicago guy or two on it, um, and uh, they don't get any of them. <laughs> they don't get any of them. 
And I'm, you know, I've, uh, have you, have you heard any names? I mean, have you heard anything kicked around? Because it's an easy fix. Everyone bitches about the arena, you know, the fact that it's in Rosemont and it's uh, by the airport and it's a pain in the ass to get there for students. Everyone bitches about the, uh, the facilities. And I get that. And that those are certainly a problem and they factor in, but if you bring in a real coach, it won't matter. You start winning, everyone will start coming back. The revenue will come back. The, you'll, you'll be able to build the facilities. The arena will be full and the problem will, be, will take care of itself. You just have to win. Um, I had a couple of names that came to mind. Have you heard anything or, or any names? I, you that, know, that you I, I haven't, but, uh, I just happened to be tweeting you and uh, our buddy Herb Lawrence from the score the other day. And I said, you know, I, I, I followed DePaul pretty closely this year. Um, and actually just faded them down the stretch because they gave up on their, on Purnell and the team was a mess. I mean, I, and they actually started off. Okay. Uh, and then about mid season, they just completely fell apart and, they, uh, I don't, I don't know what I've never seen a team just crumble like that. So I, I tweeted out to you guys, he was 15 and 65 in conference oh record the last five seasons. And I'm like, how is this guy not fired yet? Who does he have naked pictures of? <laughs> um, and then he resigned like two days later. So yeah, to me, it's not, uh, it's not rocket science. You know, you, you need to bring in a guy that, um, I, I look around some of these schools right now, you know, I, I look at Mark Turgeon at Maryland, you know, he was at Texas A&M before that, uh, did a pretty good job there, but this is a guy that, that came in right away and was successful. Uh, you look at some of a uh, friend McCaffrey, even at Iowa, you know, yeah. guy that was at Siena for a long time that had success, took a couple teams to the tournament. Uh, is it really that hard at this point to find, uh, you know, a guy in a mid-major or not even, you know, even a smaller uh, Patriot League or uh, Missouri Valley type coach that, uh, you know, that's had success um, that can come in? And, you know, I don't think necessarily they're going to keep the, the big-name kids, you know, the Anthony Davis, the Jabari Parkers. But yeah, I didn't the, even mention Anthony know, Davis. The, the second-tier the second kids, you got to keep, right? The, the Chicago kids. The, you have to. The black shears of the world that don't want to leave the city i mean there's got to be a draw to bring a kid in there uh and get that get that program going because to me it's it's really inexcusable to have that program not be uh at least at a competent level at least competing to get in the dance i mean they haven't been close the last few years no, they haven't, um, and and it's it's all because they they haven't brought in the right coach that can recruit to that school that can bring the enthusiasm necessary to excite a fan base and ultimately win and and draw the crowds that uh, are required uh, for you to produce the revenue and, and compete at that level. Uh, the Big East isn't you know the best conference anymore like it used to be, but it's still a really good basketball conference. I mean, you still have Villanova, who's a number one seed in the tournament. You still have Providence, who had a really good year. You have uh, you know the UConn. Actually, UConn's not in that conference anymore. But you have what Creighton and Marquette, and um, you know there's 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 good basketball programs in the Big East. Obviously, St. John's, uh, Georgetown are both in the tournament. <laughs> so you know it's a, it's a big conference. Uh, but you got to get the right guy. A, a couple of names that I wanted to uh, bounce off of you, and maybe DePaul just isn't that attractive of a job anymore. But you got to you got to you know write the blank check here. And and I thought when when John Calipari was available. Uh, back either pre-Memphis or even post-Memphis or, you know, during Memphis. I said, why don't you just offer this guy an obscene amount of money and just bring him in here like Memphis did? You know, Memphis, University of Memphis, I mean, what a random-ass school in a small conference, you know? And they just said, screw yeah. it. They just offered him a ton of money. They were like, turn our program around. All of a sudden, he's getting Derrick Rose to leave Chicago and go to Memphis. <laughs> like, that's insane. Um, 
And uh, you know that's what it that's what it takes. Now, there, there, John Calipari is a one of a kind, but maybe you can write a blank check to Archie Miller at Dayton, uh, and, and say, dude, you're you're a beast. You, we think you're as good as your brother is. You've had you you take Dayton to the tournament every single year. You can recruit. You have you know the the enthusiasm and passion it takes to, to win at this level. Um, why not throw some money at a guy like that? Uh, you know, th- th- that's a name that really came to mind for me. And as far as the mid-major, you talked about maybe get a guy from a smaller. How about Bobby Hurley at Buffalo? Give him his shot. Uh, he His first year at Buffalo, they win t- 23 games in the MAC. They win their conference tournament. They get in. Uh, some people think they might upset West Virginia in the first round. The guy's shown that, that he knows what, how to coach. He comes from a coaching pedigree. He's a big name. You would think he'll be able to attract a- recruits. Um, he's a younger guy. Why not? If you're going to go, if you don't want to, you know, break the bank for a proven guy, go for a smaller guy and bring him in. And and one other name that I wanted to talk about was uh, Tom Crean. If Tom Crean gets run out of Indiana, which could very well happen, um, especially if they lose in the first round of the tournament, which I think they will to Wichita State. Um, if he gets run out of town in Indiana and wants to coach right away, why not offer him a ton of money? He was already in the Big East when he was with Marquette. Uh, he's going to a big city, and he can recruit. He has recruiting's not been his issue at Indiana. He's got three NBA players on this roster. He's just a bad coach, but that's okay. <laughs> he can, he can be. That's what, that was, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, he can't coach, but that doesn't matter a lot. Of t- if you can recruit, I mean, uh, you know, it's like we talked about. Um, you know, we texted a lot this year, even about Chris Collins. You know, right. I thought he did an excellent job this year at Northwestern. So did I. Uh, I love the core down of the stretch. That the team played hard. They competed the the second half of the season. They were they were a tough out. Uh, those kids came to play every night, and you know over the next couple of years here, you look at Wojciechowski at, at uh, Marquette. I mean that that's the same type of name. You know, if you look at Bobby Hurley, you're going to have that pedigree. You're going to have exactly. that name. You're going to be able to recruit kids right away. And exactly. it's not that tough of a sell. You know, um, I, I played on two national championship teams. You know, I played at Duke. Um, so yeah, I don't understand who really is making the decision making at DePaul because Oliver Pernell was making almost two million dollars a year, Maddie. It's not like he was cheap, you know. Right. He was still. I mean, he was milking that job from year three on. He was just mailing it in. Um, so I, I don't know for that kind of money. Uh, that's a lot more than a lot of these guys are even sniffing right now. So that's they true. should be able to bring in a, a high-profile guy. Um, you know, and then like you said, even if you couldn't get a a younger guy, an up-and-coming guy. Why not do what SMU did with Larry Brown? Just throw a big check at him. You know, Perfect. this is a guy that's had success, and he's had ped- he has pedigree, he has the name, he's going to be able to recruit kids. You know, it's Chicago. It's not. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard of a, a problem to fix because I don't know if they're just being frugal on athletics. I'm not sure the dynamics of how the the, the university works, but I know my wife is an alum, and she's uh, she's very upset with the direction the basketball program is going right now. <laughs> Heavy, heavy sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Larry Brown was a perfect example. I mean, th- open up the checkbook and bring a guy in, and it, it took Larry Brown two years, and now he's got this this uh, program, uh, you know, running at, at a high level. They're a six seed, and they had uh, Emmanuel Mouday or whatever his name is committed, and he was going to be their point guard. They might have been a two or a three seed, and then he yeah. you know, academically couldn't cut it, and he he's playing in China, and he's like winning the MVP of the China. League. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a top ten pick, and and Larry Brown won twenty seven games last year. And get into the tournament. Yeah. He got screwed last year. It's insane. You know? so, I feel like the playbook's been written on on how to do this, and they just have to do it. And people don't realize this, maybe outside of Chicago, but DePaul is the largest Catholic university in the world, and it 
it's it's not even close. It's huge. DePaul is a gigantic university, way bigger than Notre Dame or Boston College or Marquette. I mean, it, it it's like fifty thousand students. I mean, it's gigantic. And Colin's right. They they paid Oliver Purnell. It's not like they're too cheap. Now, granted, they've had they have some arena issues. Uh, people, the rumor is that uh, they're, they're, the mob ties in Rosemont are, won't let them out of the contract, um, <laughs> which I don't know if that's true, but uh, people have been saying that, and it sounds like if there's been talks that they're going to build a new arena somewhat downtown near McCormick Place, which doesn't really solve the problem because it's still not on campus and it's still not that convenient, but I guess it's a little bit more convenient than out by the airport. Um, so, uh, but that won't be ready for a few years. you gotta, you got to make a home run higher here, and, and there are some options. Uh, and, and they have the money to do it and, and the size to do it, and they've won in the past. And, it, it, you know, I read some article today that basically said DePaul was a sleeping giant, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, th- I think that's dead on. That You just got to make it happen at this point. He's Colin Levec. My name is Matt Weber. You, of course, can follow us on Twitter. Uh, he is at C underscore Boogie 33. You can follow me at Matt Weber. That's Matt with three Ts. You, of course, can subscribe to the High Motor Guy podcast on iTunes. We do it every week in the football season, and we'll do it throughout the NCAA tournament until Kentucky wins it all, <laughs> which I think everyone knows is going to happen. I mean, you absolutely have Kentucky winning it all in your bracket, do you not? Uh, I, well, I didn't. I took Arizona just to be a bit contrarian, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that one of the ways to win these, if you're in a larger bracket, um, is to pick a team that. Uh, I, I mean, I won one of these one year, Maddie, and it was 2009, the year that Duke won it, um, and no one really gave them a shot. Right. And that was the year they had. Um, Shire? You know, Nolan, Nolan Smith and John Shire. Yeah, they had a, I mean, they had a good team that year, and uh, they they just got overlooked, and uh, they ended up winning the whole thing. So that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, listen, we I've been watching. We both been watching college basketball our entire life. Uh, in our lifetime, in my lifetime, there's been the Indiana State team in 1979, uh, the 1990 Running Rebs, and last year Wichita State. Uh, only three undefeated teams to to go into the tournament. Um, and we know none of those teams have won it, but uh, this Kentucky team really is a is a juggernaut. Um, I, I, this team's slightly better than the team with Anthony Davis that only lost two games. So um, to me, it's really going to take. It's going to have to be one of these teams like uh, Arizona or Wisconsin, and they're going to have to play uh, a type of game like like Duke did the, the year they beat UNLV or. Um, you know, Kentucky did last year to beat Wichita State. You know, you have to almost play a perfect game, uh, and it's going to take that type of effort because, I mean, if you watch this team, it's ridiculous. It, they are just crushing people. Yeah. Uh, I know they haven't been tested really in the conference, and uh, that concerns me a little bit with some of the inexperience that they have on their team. But then the counter to that is you watch these Harrison kids last year in the tournament. I mean, they were as clutch as anything I've ever watched. You know, so uh, to me, they have the full package. It's just a matter if they get into a situation where, uh, I mean, they should have won the national championship last year. They just couldn't hit free throws. Yeah. And and they and they folded really quickly. And that's two teams Cal's had now that couldn't hit free throws, and it cost them two national championships. So uh, I, I could, you know, I could see that happening if they get in a tight game with an experienced team like Wisconsin or Arizona. Um, but that's really the only way this team's going to lose. So, and, and I tend to agree with you, and the SEC was terrible, and so they, they really haven't been tested in, in three months. 
uh, because I mean, the S- when Florida is like 500, <laughs> and, and Florida's not even playing in the NIT this right. year. I mean, they're typically a top 10 team um, and have won a couple of national titles. And and when they're when they're non-existent, all of a sudden that conference is just a joke. I mean, LSU is decent. Uh, you know, Arkansas is a pretty good team, but yeah, Kentucky, Ole Miss is decent. Uh, threw them around in the championship game. I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, this it's not very good. So they haven't been tested, but I'm wondering from you, what do you think gives Kentucky more of a challenge? A team that can sort of match up with them athleticism-wise, like a Arizona or a Baylor or an Oklahoma, um, a team like that that has the, not the same size as Kentucky. No one has that, but has the athletes and, 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 and can maybe match up in that way. You could throw Duke in that category too, certainly. Or is it a team that plays more system ball that could throw them off, like a Wisconsin or a Virginia? What, what do you think uh, challenges them more? I, you know, they really they don't they don't have any holes. I mean, their defense is one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Let's let's yeah. just get that out there right away. I mean, uh, with Collie Stein and um, uh, Anthony Towns underneath. I mean, they're really just uh, just killing people with that. Especially, and then they come down on the other end with that high low game. Um, but what I what I think would take to beat them, and we saw um, I saw I watched the Texas A and M Texas A and M game this year. Uh, where Kentucky ended up winning in double overtime, but uh, if you get a team that can really shoot it, shoot it from three and gets hot, um, a team like Notre Dame, for example, uh, you know, if you get a team like that that can really shoot from the perimeter, uh, they didn't face a team all season that was top twenty in three point shooting. So that's a good start. Uh, and, and you know, we saw it last year a little bit against UConn. Um, UConn got hot in the championship game from three. You know, that's that's what gave them fits. So. That would be the way. That would be the. I, I see really the only weakness that they have defensively. Um, but even then, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know how they would adjust. I, th- I still think Cal Perry is a pretty good coach, Manny. Uh, oh, yeah. I know he has the best talent to work with every year, but there's a reason why he's at where he's at, you know. And uh, I, I still think, as far as adjustment, in-game adjustments. Um, we saw it last year in the championship game. He went to his zone. He's still pretty good. He's still pretty sharp. So uh, that would be the only way I would see, you know, we've, if you watch Notre Dame in that conference tournament against uh, North Carolina, I think they were down 10 points with about nine minutes to go. And then they just start stroking those threes. And all of a sudden they're up eight or nine, you know. So that would be uh, one, of, one of the, I guess, if you were going to take them down, that would be the way that you would try to do it. And, and Notre Dame and Iowa State are the two teams in this field that if they get it going from the perimeter, no one can beat them. I, I don't care who you are. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, it's not easy to get it going against a really good defensive team like a Kentucky or a Virginia or a Wisconsin. But uh, if they get it going, um, you know, it's, it's, it's lights out, and, and they're, they'll put up 90 points on you before you, you know it hit you. <laughs> and they'll do it – Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you try to get on a half court game with them, uh, you're going to score 30 points. Right. Exactly. Um, one other thing too, uh, you know, Colin talked about Kentucky's defense, and they're spectacular. They're ranked second in, in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive ratings, only behind Virginia, who's number one. But what makes Kentucky so tough, and no one talks about it, is their offense is one of the best in the country too. It's fifth. <laughs> so they're the only team I've ever seen in the in the history of the Ken Palm ratings. I don't know if this is true. But it, they're the only team I remember that is rated in the top five in both categories. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, it took them about mid-season uh, before the offense caught up with the defense. But uh, but once it did, it was I mean it was game over. And uh, there was a couple games 
um, where you know they, they were it was a tight game with six seven minutes to go, and they end up winning by like twenty five points. Yeah, because they just shoot the lights out, and uh, you know we we talked about the Harrison kids. I mean those those two kids are tough, and they're tournament tested now too. You know um, that that's a huge huge thing when you look at you know teams coming back the next year. I mean they've gone through four or five tough, tough tournament games last year. If you remember, you know, the Michigan game, the Wisconsin game, uh, you know, last second three-pointers. I mean, these, these kids have gone through it already. So they're, this is not, the big stage will be nothing new for them. And I think uh, when you look back, you know, even the, the Wall and Cousins team uh, that lost to West Virginia, they, they kind of they froze up a little bit in the big lights. But I don't think that's going to happen with this squad. So before we start getting into some of our predictions, let's talk about the Big Ten a little bit in more detail. They, of course, got seven teams in, which was tied for the most uh, with the Big 12. Uh, of course, you have Purdue, a nine seed, 21 and 12, taking on Cincinnati, an eight seed. Um, you have uh, 10 seeded Indiana, who most people thought was on the bubble, but they, they squeaked in. They have a tough matchup with seven seeded Wichita State, and I think Wichita State is a little underseeded there. Uh, I think they're much better than a seven seed. I think they could, they could easily be a four or a five seed. Uh, or if not better. Of course, we talked about one-seeded Wisconsin in the West region. They'll take on Coastal Carolina. Um, Ohio State, a 10 seed. Uh, that's a little little low of a seed for Ohio State. I think they're going to pound VCU, actually, which uh, could surprise some people, but I think Ohio State is a lot better than VCU. Um, Michigan State, uh, always uh, dangerous this time of year. They're a 7 seed. They have a tough matchup with 10 seeded Georgia. And then Iowa, the 7th team to get in. They were a 7 seed in the South. They're, they are in Seattle and will take on Davidson, which is uh, an interesting matchup, a team that really shoots the three ball well and, and really scores, doesn't play a lot of D, doesn't have a lot of size. And Iowa is the fifth tallest team in the country. Uh, they're one of those teams that is uh, 6'9", 6'9", 7'1", on the front line, and most teams in college can't compete with that size. Obviously, Kentucky can, but um, most teams can't compete with that size. So that'll be an int interesting uh, chess match there in that game. Uh, if they win that game, then they'll likely take on Gonzaga in Seattle. And how tough of a draw is that? you got to play uh, Gonzaga in their home city <laughs> if you uh, yeah. if you uh, a nice, uh, a, a nice setup for them, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean... <laughs> It, it's one thing to play Duke and Charlotte, but at least you know the fans have to travel a little bit. <laughs> like Gonzaga's like, we're going to actually play in our home city. So our, it, they're playing in Key Arena, uh, where the Sonics used to play. So at least they're not playing in Gonzaga's home court, but uh, yeah. it might as well be. Uh, so <laughs> How about Davidson? That's a, that's a tough travel for them from North Carolina, too. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, it really is. They're going east coast to west coast, uh, which, is, which is never easy. Uh, all these Big Ten teams, besides Wisconsin, because I think most people at least have Wisconsin in the Elite Eight. Uh, many probably have them in the Final Four, uh, and some might have them upsetting Kentucky, although I, I, I'm assuming that's a small percentage. But besides them, which one of these Big Ten teams do you have making a run? And when I say making a run, I'm saying you know getting into the second weekend and maybe advancing even further. Yeah, sure. No, uh, I, I think you really got to look at uh, at Sparty for sure with Izzo. Um, and, you know, you go back over the years, I mean, Tom Izzo – basically helped me get through college, you know, um, <laughs> as, as, far, as far as spending money goes. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, you look at the, 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 the run that they had, and one thing that concerns me a little bit, Matty, is, uh, you know, the number of games they played 
you know, in such a short period of time in the conference tournament. And uh, I've heard a lot of talk this week about, you know, should you fade teams that played, you know, lost in their conference tournament or won their conference tournament because you're, you know, you're adding on that extra mileage at the end of the season. But I, I think with the good elite level coaches, uh, you know, the Tom Izzo's of the world, uh, it's really not going to matter. And uh, I-, I could see them, uh, you know, they should have won the Big Ten championship. Let's be honest here. Yeah. They gave that game away. Uh, we talked about it before we started here, and uh, but they're just playing really good ball. And if you've watched Izzo at all this year, I mean, uh, how can you not love Tom Izzo? I watched the, that last game; it was Senior Night, uh, you know, at Michigan State. It's uh, Travis Trice and um, the other, the big kid. It's just, you Dawson know, last and game. Valentine. And, yeah. yeah, Dawson. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and Izzo is all over Trice. Like he's just <laughs> all over him. It was so great. He doesn't give a shit if it's senior night or not. You oh. know? He was just ripping them. And, uh, and they responded. You know, They came back and won. I think that was against Purdue. Um, where they were down, yeah, they I were watched down that game. 10. Yep. They were down 10 like, right before the half. Went on a little run. And they came out in the second half and just basically won by double digits. So uh, to me, this time of year, you know, if, you're, if you're getting down with Izzo uh, and Michigan State, uh, I, I like them almost better as a, as a small dog, uh, or, you know, not the heavy favorite, just because I think he, uh, he, you know, he really does well in that role. And, uh, that's a, that's a team I'd look at to, uh, to, you know, to go on a run. I think I was capable going on, of going on a run, but I have no, we've texted all year. I don't know what the hell team's going to show up here. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's a team that's, you know, one six straight and it's ready to go in the conference tournament. And then they, they lose to Penn state by 12 points. I, and we talked about them this year too. Uh, as a favorite, it was like uh, I want no part of Iowa as a favorite. If they're a dog, uh, I love them as a dog this year. They they came up big, but you know they lost at Northwestern in a game they should have won. It's it's just a really, like you said, a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. But they certainly have the talent to to go on a run. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, and you know it's it's depressing. Frustrating. And I don't I I haven't seen Gonzaga very much this year. Have you seen them? I know they're I, they're uber talented every year and then they don't do anything in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, this this year um this year's team is similar to the team 2 years ago that lost to Wichita State in double overtime. Uh this team's a good team. This is a, not your typical. I mean, that the conference they play in is an absolute joke. Um but they have they have some players this year. Uh Kevin Pangos is a legitimate uh, he's he's a big time guard. They they have a good team. I think Mark Fee is a pretty good coach. Um, but it's tough to say again when you're not tested in the conference. Uh, when you go up against a Big Ten team, you know that's that's obviously tested almost every night. Uh, you have to give the edge to to the Big Ten team. You know, yeah. I mean that's just you're you're playing those games every single night. You know, and that that doesn't matter where you're at. You're playing at Northwestern. Chris Collins and, and his squad, they won, what, I think they won their last eight games at home. Or you're playing at Bloomington. You know, Indiana, I think, was 15-3 and three in Bloomington this year. Right. And they, you know, they, they, they sputtered out down the stretch. But there was a point this season where they were killing people at home, you know? So, uh, Illinois is a tough place to play. Yeah, Illinois is a tough place to play. You go to Michigan or Minnesota, you're in for a dogfight, even when they're having down years like they did this year. There's no easy road games when you play in a real conference, whether it's the Big 12 or the Big 10. Uh, or you know ACC obviously, but uh, Gonzaga. I mean, every single damn year they go seventeen and one or eighteen and zero in their conference, and it's like, what's the point? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, it's it's about time that they just make the jump and get into a real conference. I don't see why. You know, I mean, they're probably happy with 
what they're doing now, but uh, it's almost like they should be in the Pac-12, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, back to the question of, uh, you know, a Big Ten team making the run. Number one, I thought Michigan State should have won it all last year. Uh, they had the perfect team. They had all these guys they have now, and they also had Gary Harris and, uh, you know, had some uh, some more uh, – yeah, uh, uh, Keith Appling, who was terrific, and uh, you know, obviously, you still had Dawson, and you still had Valentine, you still had Trice, and they were just stacked, and they got healthy at the right time, and everyone knows they had a ten-point lead against UConn, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, Napier and and Boatwright got hot, and they couldn't do anything, and and we saw that through the whole tournament where UConn just kept going. I thought Michigan State was the best team in the country at the end of the year last year, and I was shocked. Um, they're not as talented this year, so I I. I just don't – I think they're going to beat Georgia, uh, but I just don't see them getting by Virginia. Uh, but the Justin Anderson, not only the hand injury, but then the, the uh, appendicitis and, and appendectomy right, that he ended up getting, mm-hmm. that, that's a major concern. He hasn't quite been the same, and they haven't quite been the same um, since, uh, since he's been out and then ultimately came back. But they're still 29-3, and and they're playing in Charlotte, North Carolina, basically a home game for them compared to Michigan State. Um, assuming those two teams meet, so I, I I don't I personally have Michigan State losing to Virginia, but I'll be cheering for them. I could see that. Uh, I talked earlier. Maryland, besides Wisconsin, is the only Big Ten team that I have in the Sweet 16. I just don't think the Big Ten is very strong this year. I thought they were the best conference in the country three years in a row. This year, I think they're probably the second best conference. There's a lot of like depth as far as there's no easy teams, but outside of Wisconsin, there's no other elite teams. I mean, it's a lot of low seeds. It's a lot of, yeah, Maryland's a four, but then it's a lot of sevens, eights, nines, and tens uh, in the Big Ten. Um, and I just don't see a team really making a run in that conference. Um, yeah, I mean, we gotta, and we got to give Wisconsin some credit here. Um, you know, terrific basketball team, and they're, they're, awesome. they're certainly capable of winning the whole thing. And I think they, uh, they coasted through part of the year, Matty. They, you know, they – they weren't uh, – I read some stuff about their defensive efficiency numbers, um, and there was a lot of games this year where they'd be up 12-14 with four minutes to go, and Bo Ryan would pull, pull the starters out, and they'd end up winning by four or five. Right. So the defensive efficiency numbers are skewed, but um, I, I, terrific team. And, uh, you know, with Jackson going down, this Bronson Koenig kid has come in, and he's been tremendous, and they haven't skipped a beat at all. Uh, and he was huge for them in that Big Ten championship game. So uh, I, I really, really, as a fan, would like to see a Wisconsin-Arizona uh, rematch from last year because that was – arguably the best game of the tournament. And I think we will. I think I think they're destined to meet in L.A., um, and I, I just I don't see either of those teams getting knocked off before that point. That's going to be a terrific game. And you made a great point. Wisconsin actually has the number one adjusted offense, according to Ken Palm, in the entire country. Um, they are very efficient. They don't turn it over, and uh, they score on a lot of possessions, and that's why Over a won. point per possession, yeah. Yeah, but their defense uh, still very good, 31st in the country when you're talking about 350 teams or whatever it is. That's still really good, uh, but, but not elite like you would typically think Wisconsin would be in the top 10 or 15. Um, they're 31st, and, and like Colin mentioned, those numbers could be a bit skewed. Uh, but I read somewhere where Koenig, I know when, when Trayvon Jackson went down um, with the broken hand, uh, everyone was like, man, this this really screws Wisconsin. And Wisconsin and Bo Ryan just didn't seem worried at all. It's almost like they think this Bronson Koenig guy is better than him. And uh, he had three turnovers in the entire Big Ten tournament. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's tremendous. He's very efficient and uh, hit huge shots all yeah. the tournament. He hit big shots, shots, especially in the championship game, and he averaged one turnover per 38 minutes. 
<laughs> like so he's handling the ball the whole game taking huge shots and and he, he never turns it over and, and Wisconsin as a team never turns it over they never foul uh they just do everything right so they're a team you know like we talked about are they going to beat Kentucky I don't think so they might not even play Kentucky uh, if they can't get by Arizona but they're one of those teams just because they don't make mistakes they shoot free throws well they shoot threes well they don't foul uh they don't turn it over ever uh, they're so well coached. I mean, Bo Ryan's never going to get out coached. You might be equal to him, but you're not going to out coach him. Um, that's the type of team that that maybe has a chance against a Kentucky. And that was a terrific game last year in the Final Four. Oh, it was uh, an awesome game. Awesome game. And um, I was cheering for Wisconsin, and I'll be cheering for Wisconsin uh, this year. I cheer for them in the tournament every year. Now, obviously, as a Big Ten fan, you cheer against them all season, and then once the tournament starts, man, you put on your Big Ten flag and, and you start cheering <laughs> for all these teams. Like me with my UConn jersey last year, right? <laughs> Uh, by the way, did you? I, you probably didn't catch it, but the uh, the American. I don't even. I guess it's called the American Conference now. Yeah, um, UConn this past weekend. What a run they went on! Uh, they had to win to get in, and it was kind of like Iowa State. They, um, you know, they battled some some double digit deficits, and Ryan Boatwright. Uh, he, he was unbelievable, Matt. He was like I was watching the tournament last year, <laughs> and then in the championship game against SMU, he he hurts his shoulder. When they're making a run, they made a huge run on a comeback again, and uh, he hurts his shoulder and he goes out, and they end up losing. So they don't get in the tournament, but uh, it was in Hartford, Connecticut. So it was right in their backyard, and uh, they had a couple wins. They beat Cincinnati. Boatwright hit a three at the buzzer, and then uh, their next game, they were down big to uh, – I forget who it was. They were down 12 points, came back and won in the last second. So uh, another awesome conference tournament. And uh, you touched on this point earlier. I wanted to, I wanted to – uh, talk about this real quick, but uh, you talked about UConn, Michigan State last year. That game, UConn hit 17 free throws in a row. Yep, I remember. Um, and these free throw shooting teams, this is why I think Duke will go could go on a deep run this year uh, because they have you know Tyus Jones and they have Quinn, uh, Chris Quinn, who are both high 80, 90 percent free throw shooters. Uh, if you get in a tight game with those type of teams, it's over. And we mentioned Kentucky. That's how they lost their their championship game last year. They should have won. And uh, actually, Wisconsin, Jackson missed a free throw on that game. So that, that's huge. If you're looking to, to back one of these teams, uh, if you have two guys, particularly two really good guards, you look back over the last three, four years now, you look at uh, Bull Wright and Napier last year, year before, Siva and Russ Smith. Um, you know, if you have two really talented guards that can nail free throws in the clutch, I mean, this this is probably sounds a little cliche, but it's really something to look into because Duke had a number of games this year that came down to the wire, and Tyus Jones went to the line, and it was over. It was game over. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that, that's that's a good point. Before we get out of here, Colin, I want to hear uh, two, three, four, maybe five of your locks uh, in the first round here. We're, we're going to do this podcast every week throughout the tournament, so we don't want to look too far ahead as far as the second weekend games. We'll talk to you about those next week. But first round games, Colin, if you're a betting man, um, any plays that you've already put in uh, with play money, any that you're looking at closely that you think that maybe the the uh, committee was a little off in their seating and, you, and you're seeing a team that uh, you can really get some good value on? Absolutely. Uh, a couple that I got in already um, – well, one was Wichita State over Indiana. Love it. Uh, you, give, you give Greg Marshall extra time to prepare like this. Uh, you give him basically a week and a half to get ready for this tournament. Uh, that's still a really good basketball team. Uh, you're talking about another excellent backcourt with 
uh, Van Fleet and Ron Baker, uh, and the other kid is uh, Cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a five and a half point spread right now. I, I love it. IU just struggled down the stretch. They're five and nine in their last 14 games. Uh, Greg Marshall, 13 and four against the spread in his last 17 games on a neutral court. Of course, we remember the Final Four run yeah. two years ago, and then the loss to Kentucky last year. So I love that one. Uh, Maddie, my other team, as you know, that I've been milking for about a month and a half now is Purdue. Yeah, baby. Uh, I love Purdue. I love the job Matt Painter did this year. Uh, I think A.J. Hammond, arguably, other than Kaminsky, the best big man in the Big Ten, uh, he's, he's a really a, a terrific player. Um, they just rolled the last half of the season. They were tremendous. Played their way and, into the tournament. Uh, What's that? They played their way into the tournament, no doubt. Yeah, they did. They're so good defensively. I mean, they can't really score, but they, you know, unless you're uh, Wisconsin, you know, they, no one really scored on them a lot. So, right. uh, so that's against Cincinnati, who I just, you know, Cincinnati's the same team they are every year. They got bounced in the first round last year with 28 wins. They have a bunch of athletes, but no one that can score, you know. So the over-under in that game is probably about 60,000 points. Uh, but I like <laughs> Purdue and then – uh, the other one I played was uh, NC State. I don't know if you've watched them this year, but uh, terrific backcourt. And, uh, I, I mean, on any given night, they have they could beat anybody. They really are. They're kind of like Notre Dame where if they get hot, you know. They, they, they were actually beating Notre Dame by double digits this year um, down there, and then they ended up losing by a point or two at the end. But that's a team that I think could, uh, if they get hot, they're dangerous. But they're playing LSU, and, again, LSU – similar to Kentucky, not tested in conference, uh, except for playing Kentucky. Um, they have some young kids, but they don't play particularly smart. So uh, I, I booked that with uh, – I'm not a huge Mark Godfrey fan, but um, I, I do like uh, a short line like that. I'll take NC State all day. Yeah, I think Godfrey's an awful coach. <laughs> <laughs> He's really not. Uh, they have talent on that team, and they're. I, I think they underachieved this year. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. Another one you mentioned off-air uh, that we want to throw out there is uh, SMU over UCLA. What's the line oh, on that one? I forgot about that I think one. That's a, that I think that's a money one. one. Yeah. yeah, that's a money uh, one. The line opened at two. It's about three and a half right now. Um, again, UCLA, you warned me last year. I said I like this UCLA team. Uh, and they had lottery and picks. You, like, you got to look out for Alford. They man. had lottery and, picks up and down the roster last year, but I knew Alford would not let them advance. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> And then, what was it, two years ago, uh, he was knocked out in the first round by Harvard. So, yeah, I, I like the SMU team. I, I don't know how far they're going to go because um, they haven't played a particularly tough schedule in conference. But uh, Larry Brown's still a damn good coach. Um, and I watched them a few times this year. I just watched them against UConn the other day. Uh, they have some size. They have a real good point guard. His name's escaping me right now. But uh, UCLA, I, you know, I watched them this year. They have the kid Looney from Milwaukee, who's probably going to be a lottery pick. Yep. But he battled injuries this year. I'm not impressed with Alford's son either as a point guard. I think he's erratic. I don't think he makes good decisions. Um, so I, I love SMU. Uh, you, you could hammer that one for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, I, I, I like SMU as well in that one. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much a lock. As far as uh, any higher seeds upsetting lower seeds, uh, I think Texas is absolutely going to beat Butler. In fact, uh, I think Colin mentioned that Texas is favored against Butler. 
Um, I also, in a mild upset, uh, and you might, I might be crazy on this one, but I have Oklahoma State over Oregon. I know Oregon was red hot at the end of the year. Then they got smoked by 30 in the title game. Um, but Oklahoma State, no one has a better uh, you know, big-time wins than Oklahoma State. They have some huge wins this year. You look at their record, 18 and 13, I feel like they might be um, you know, people might look past them, but I, I think as a nine seed, I think they, they take on the eight there. Do you, I also uh, mentioned earlier, I like Ohio State over VCU. Uh, I think uh, Ohio State is a lot better than a 10 seed. Um, not a lot of major upsets, uh, a couple to keep an eye on that I could see happening, but uh, I don't, you know, I, I didn't actually pick, but I could see them happening. Happening. I already mentioned Buffalo over West Virginia. West Virginia is good, but they've had some injuries, and like Colin said, they can't score. So if they get in one of those scoring droughts, uh, they can lose to anyone, and and you see that in the tournament every year where, like you talked about Cincinnati last year, you have a, a bunch of athletes, real strong, tough team, but you can't put the ball in the basket and you get a scare early in the, in the tournament. And all of a sudden, you know, one of these mid-major teams starts making free throws and getting confidence and then the pressure gets on you and everyone starts watching. That could be tough. Also, keep an eye on Ole Miss over Xavier. Uh, I could see Ole Miss being this year's Tennessee team from last year where they won their play-in game, got some momentum. And, uh, and made a nice run and actually went to the Sweet 16 and were very close to making it to the Elite Eight. Uh, they, uh, in fact, they lost, they lost to somebody. Lost by one to Michigan. Yeah, to Michigan, and that was a yeah, great, great game. Great game. Um, I, I could see Ole Miss, uh, even though uh, you know, I, would be, I would be surprised if they beat Xavier, I could see them beating Xavier and then you know, a very interesting matchup against Baylor, uh, two teams that you know, talent-wise as far as uh, elite athletes and size are pretty similarly matched. Uh, to get to the Sweet 16 there. Keep an eye on that one as well. Do you have any lower seeds that you're, uh, you advise people to take a look at? Uh, one, one that I thought was interesting was Stephen F. Austin against Utah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I actually think Utah is going to win. I think people are d- a little down on Utah. It's a pretty good basketball team. I think Larry Kristoyak, uh, although he's a madman, has done a nice job there <laughs> this year. Um, but Stephen F. Austin, they, you know, they knocked off VCU last year in the first round, and they got a lot of guys back. Uh, they won 29 games, so that's a an experienced squad, uh, and they're a 12 seed over a five. Um, and then the other one that you mentioned, I, I love I love Ohio State um, against VCU. Uh, a prominent Vegas bookmaker said it's the highest first round game, power ratings wise, he's ever seen in 25 years of doing this. Um, which I thought was interesting uh, as far as, you know, VCU winning their conference tournament. Um, but you mentioned D'Angelo Russell earlier. I think, you know, he could put a team on his back. He's that good. Um, and then, you know, some of the other ones, I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to go against the Dana Altman team. I, I just can't do that. I think he's a terrific coach. Um, but I do think let's just, I'm just taking a look here, uh, scrolling through, um, I like Baylor. That's the team I like too. They're not. They're a three seed, but I think they're gonna uh, they're gonna make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. No. You know what, Matt? I don't have any huge upsets. Um, I'm not all chalk, but some of the you know some of the upsets I have are smaller ones, eights over nines. But I think a lot of times, if you're, I mean, there's obviously gonna be a couple, right? Um, right. But I think most of the time, if you start, you know, if you start doing that, you're you're kind of playing with fire because those teams will uh, eventually get knocked off. Oh, I do have Texas over Butler, too. I do. Uh, as, ba- as bad as Rick Barnes is, the, the talent on that team, I just can't see them not beating uh, Butler, who had a pretty good year, but as far as athletes go, they're, 
they're uh, they're going to be overmatched. He's Colin Levesque. My name is Matt Weber. We'll be doing it throughout the NCAA tournament. As Colin said, best time of the year. You've got uh, NBA and NHL heading into the playoffs. You've got uh, the tournament, uh, conference tournaments wrapping up, and you're heading into the NCAA tournament. Of course, baseball is right around the corner in the Midwest and on the East Coast. The weather's getting better. Uh, it was 75 the other day. Now it's back into the upper 40s, back around normal. But still, you got a little taste of the sunshine, St. Patty's Day. <laughs> it was it was insane. Chicago was like Mardi Gras, dude, as you can imagine. I mean, you get your first couple nice days in Chicago and as Colin knows that people are just insane <laughs> but people uh, are like water skiing it's like frozen lake <laughs> like come on it's not that warm man. take know, it easy it's <laughs> I've seen I like guys are out there in shorts and a t-shirt it's like 49 degrees though <laughs> like what the hell are you doing uh, but uh, tell a friend about the podcast uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter we'll talk to you next week all right take care